You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the week ahead. Uh, I'm Emmett Smith. I'm a staff writer for On the Forecheck, and we're taking a look at. This week's upcoming matchup against the Dallas Stars here with me today is Trent from Defending Big D. Trent, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's it's a rainy day here in Auburn, Alabama, um, but that's preferable to what's going on in my home state of Tennessee in the coming week. Uh, and currently, too, I've had a couple of buddies in Memphis who have had some ice all over their cars and stuff, and they're getting eight inches of snow, apparently. So uh, pretty pretty rough stuff there. But uh, glad to have him on the show today, um, and we're, we're here to talk some Stars hockey. I'm not a big fan of this team because they routinely seem to kick the crap out of the Predators, but uh, I love having people on the show who are more knowledgeable than I am about them, and it's good to have you on to ask some questions. No, it's good to be here, and I'll, uh, I'll correct you just a little bit. It doesn't seem like the Stars consistently beat the Predators. It's just always the games that people remember the Stars happen to win. Just thinking about like the Winter Classic, the playoff series, that type of thing. Um, but last year, you guys beat us four times in a row. Is that right? Something like that. And I think uh, shut you out over three games or something or allowed one goal. With a young goaltender, too. So that was embarrassing. All right. Well, maybe maybe that's not totally fair. It's still seared into my memory that we lost 7 nothing to you earlier this year in the game that I, of course, had to cover the recap for. Um when my TV stopped working for half of it and among other weird technical difficulties during that time, there's, there's a picture out there somewhere of uh, me looking at my roommate with just a uh, pure disdain. And on my laptop in the background is the score seven, nothing <laughs> uh, as I'm having to write the recap. So that's, that's kind of emblematic of my feelings about this stars team. But uh, besides <laughs> well, the point, we'll see. <laughs> Um, let's get to some questions here. Uh, enough, enough dilly dallying. Uh, let's talk about Denny Gurianov, um, who is one of my favorite players on the stars. He's having a great year so far. Uh, limited sample size, obviously stars didn't play for a good bit of the season towards the beginning, which a lot of people know, but, uh, he had a good rookie season. He scored over 20 goals despite getting some limited ice time at points in the year. And now he's scoring at around a point per game pace, if not more, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, there that's a clear, good young guy on the roster. However, I feel like there's some players that are getting a little bit less discussion who are also youngsters or maybe a little bit more unheralded that Predators fans won't know a ton about coming into this game. We talked about Ty Delandria on the last podcast when Taylor was on here. Um, who's been the biggest surprise so far this season and what are they doing so well that's making them stand out to you? I mean, the biggest surprise so far has been uh, Ty Delandria and um, Jake Ottinger. Jay Gottinger was picked uh, later in the round after Miro Haskinen in the same year in the first round. Um, and he has kind of been thrown into some weird situations. And uh, we, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Jay Gottinger because I love him. Um, but he's been the biggest surprise by far. It's the way he's handled being in a backup and sometimes even a starting role um, for this team. And just 
playing excellent hockey, even as a youngster with his first real NHL action. He played a little bit of mop-up duty in the bubble at times, but this is the first time he's really been one of the guys. And with Bishop on the shelf for a while, I think he's going to have to continue in that role, and he's doing a great job. The other guy, I mean, Delandry is my favorite this year, I think, um, just from the youngsters who are impressing. But uh, Jason Robertson is another young guy who's um, gotten a pretty good look. He hadn't had a lot of chances, but we've been plagued with actual viruses and injuries all year. Um, So he's gotten plenty of chances and made kind of the most of it. His scouting report is very offense heavy. He's going to make good chances. He's going to be in position. He's going to make good passes and probably put a few in the net. But he's always kind of had that, will his feet be enough to play in the NHL? kind of attitude with the scouting report. Um, And sometimes his defense is a little lacking, and I think that's an adjustment period. Um, So he's the one I'm really interested to see how he develops. Um, He's been very impressive so far, but I kind of need him to do more all around in the game. Uh, But him playing with Rope Hintz and Denis Garyanov, two other youngsters who are blazing fast, um, has kind of helped him uh, cover up the fact that his legs might not be all the way there ready for NHL action. And he's he's playing well, but he's got to kind of make it a full round game. Yeah, those are those are some good names to watch for. Um, I'm a little bit less familiar with Robertson, but uh, definitely familiar with Jake Ottinger, who I liked a lot when he was coming into the 2017 draft. Uh, for those who don't know, Ottinger was selected 26th overall that year. He's a 22 year old goalie who played at Boston University, had great numbers there. Um, really good goaltending prospect, and. He's now kind of coming into his own with Ben Bishop being out, which is a bit of an interesting situation given that Bishop for so long has been a de facto guy in Dallas. Um, and now you're kind of starting to see Ottinger creep his way in there along with Anton Kadobin. Uh, speaking of Anton Kadobin, let's talk about him a little bit because there's been some interesting stuff in the news surrounding him and Rick Bonus, uh, head coach of the Dallas Stars. Apparently, they got into a spat behind the scenes, um, leading to bonus benching him. And we don't really know the specifics, at least I don't uh, in particular. I'd like to ask you about those. And then uh, Ottinger gets the start over him. Is this a story to watch going forward? Like, what happened here? Yeah, I mean, it was a weird moment, especially in our Slack channel with everybody trying to figure out what is going on. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's really a story to keep looking at. Um, so apparently, and this is all the information we have more happened than I don't know it. Um, he was just late to practice and Rick bonus just has very strict rules about being on time for practice, apparently. And Anton was late. So they benched him. Um, and I, I think it's just that simple. And this is not even uncommon in the Dallas stars franchise. It was either last year or the year before, um, Alexander Radulov was late to practice, got benched for a game came back the next game and scored a hat trick. So if we're really talking about storylines, maybe Anton starts to really play well. And I don't know what the goalie equivalent of a hat trick is, uh, but hopefully he'll get that sometime in the near future, just kind of as a a stick it to the man situation. Um, But I don't, I don't think it's much of a story, but if we really want to make a story out of it, then we can talk about Jake Ottinger having I believe won the starting job halfway through his first season in both the minor leagues and at college. So going in as a freshman and a rookie and halfway through the season, taking the starting job, he's got a good track record. So if there is more to this Anton Hudobin story, I don't know, maybe we'll see something fun there. 
Yeah, uh, I kind of felt like it was going to be something simple like that. I thought maybe he had violated COVID protocol, but when he didn't go on the list, I was like, all right, there's something small here. Um, It was a one-day thing. I didn't really see anything afterwards, so I assumed, based upon the lack of reporting surrounding it, it's not a very big deal. I just wanted to get that clarified. Um, But definitely something where it's like, huh, Ottinger is there. He's kind of the uh, heir apparent in the goaltending situation. Uh, Kadobin is a bit of an older guy. He's not like old, old by goalie standards, but, um, just, just something to keep an eye on. Um, we'll probably see Ottinger for one of these two games in the two game series that the Predators have this upcoming week. Um, but I, I just figured he'd be a good player to ask about. Uh, you mentioned Alexander Radulov uh, or Radulov as, uh, Pete Weber would always call him. Let's talk about him for a second. Um, <laughs> How do you feel like he's been doing this season? Because I'm sure Preds fans are always eager to know what he's doing. Um, I mean, I, I've been very pleased with Radulov. He scored a couple of very good goals in that first 7 nothing game against the, the Preds. Um, but he's been kind of his usual consistent self. Um, he generates offense, doesn't always hit the score sheet, but when he does, he kind of does it streakily. So he'll score a couple times a game and then not score for a week or two and then score a couple more times in one game, but he's always a spark. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Sometimes it puts him in the penalty box and we're down and then bad things happen on the penalty kill. Uh, So that's never good, but he's always a spark, just a little bit extra energy. And for a team that is in the middle ground between very young and very old, uh, we either have super old players that people are thinking like, okay, they're on the downside of their contract. We're probably overpaying him. Then you have other people like the youngsters we talked about a second ago uh, that are the, the blazing quick, very talented future guys. Radulov seems to kind of have that spark that ties the two together. So he's the one who elevates the energy from the young guys to the old guys and gets them playing better. And he's also kind of that, not necessarily in that tight leadership circle, but he's been around long enough to where he's very well respected. So I like him at, in that role where he can just kind of be himself. If he gets penalties, it's not our captain that's going to the box a dozen times a week. Um, it's just Alexander Radulov, who is awesome and lovely to watch play. Um, but he's fun to watch and a spark. But right now he's on the IR. So I don't even know if you guys will see him in this upcoming series. Uh, which will be kind of weird. I think it was a retroactive placement. He was day-to-day for a while with lower body. And then a couple days ago, was actually put on the IR. So you may see him, you may not. But overall, to answer your question, I've been very happy with him when he's been on the ice because he's just fun on an otherwise not fun team to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, Radulov currently sitting uh, at this moment probably not going to change given the fact that he's on the IR, right? But uh, uh, he has 11 points currently in eight games, three goals, eight assists. Uh, So over a point per game, I'm sure Predators fans are just ecstatic hearing about that. But uh, it's really weird because the Stars are a team where last year they played really defense-heavy hockey and everyone was like, oh, like this team isn't going to go deep in the playoffs because they can't score. And then they found their legs there, and it seems like that's started to continue into this season. The Stars, uh, at our current moment of saying this, sit in the top 10 in the NHL in goals for per game. Uh, what do you feel like has been the key to making Dallas an explosive team again? Because in previous years, uh, under uh, different coaches, we'd seen them play really 
uh, offense heavy hockey where they're taking advantage of the fact that they've got guys like Radulov, Sagan, Ben, um, and all these really talented players and just going kind of balls to the walls in the offensive zone and not playing super tight defense. What's been the shift here? Great question. Um, and I, I mean, the stars have the smallest sample size in the league. I guess maybe some other teams are catching up now that they've had pauses after the season started, but starting late, um, everything was kind of in a maybe Dallas and all these fancy stat metrics are going to line up, but they were always the outlier at first because starting off with seven goals in the first game, it just made everything strange. But I would say that this season, even so far, has been a tale of two seasons. And we need to break the sample size almost in half, um, where the first four games, all against Nashville and Detroit, the uh, Stars had scored seven goals, three goals, two goals, and seven goals. And then after that, only scored six goals once. Everything else was either one or three goals. And it's been a bad one goal or three goals offensive period. So we're either lighting it up or doing absolutely nothing. And it seems those first four games, we were lighting it up. And then after that, it's been very droll, um, which is just frustrating because we this is basically the same team. Almost everybody came back and is except for um, Matthias Yanmark and Corey Perry, who were useful in the playoffs. But almost everybody came back. We're losing Sagan, of course. That hurts. And we've had a few other guys on the IR. But having just such streaky scoring is frustrating. Um, and I, I don't know what it is, but I can always kind of tell how the Stars are going to do based on how Jamie Benn is skating that game. Um, so the first five minutes, if you watch Jamie Benn, you hear him we hear his name called over the intercom a couple times or just the, the announcers, then it's going to be a good game for the stars. And if he is silent and just kind of an afterthought throughout the game, that's just not good. And I think what helps for the first four games where we were actually scoring goals, um, it was Jamie Ben coming off of his closest run for the cup and losing. He seemed to come out very energized, very happy, maybe not happy, but just excited to be there and determined this year. And I don't know if that's something he just has to find a way to keep in his attitude the whole time um, or what it is. But the Stars sound good on paper, sound like they're good offensively. But after watching all these games so far this season, it's the same old stuff. Very defense heavy, one goal games, um, whether that's we're scoring one goal or we're winning or losing by one goal. And sometimes that is the same thing. Um, I. I don't know. Some games are great and some games are horrible. And those great games make us on paper look like an offensive team, but it's the same old stars. Tell me a little bit more about Jamie Benn, because you kind of just mentioned as he goes, so the stars go uh, this year. And he's only got six points in seven games, despite being on the ice for a couple of really big scoring outbursts. That's kind of surprising to me. I mean, I know he had a down year last year and he and Sagan are both in a bit of a slow decline especially Ben, because he's a very physical player, kind of a power forward type guy. Um, and that game tends to not age very well, uh, like my uh, one of my favorite players, Wayne Simmons. So, uh, I, I mean, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to look at him and say that he's been like bad or whatever. But like, what, what do you feel like have been causing some of the inconsistencies with Ben this year? Uh, I mean, this year, like I said, I've been relatively happy with him because he seems to come out fiery and energized. Um, but 
you talk to any Stars fan, there's a 50-50 chance they say we're way overpaying him or he's the best player to ever play in a Stars uniform. And that might be an exaggeration, that last part, um, because there's a good bit of competition for that title. But either people seem to love him or think we're overpaying. And again, I mean, it's it's the power forward thing. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Maybe it's whatever matchup he's going up against. Maybe it's what he had for breakfast. I don't really know. But his inconsistencies can be kind of frustrating until he decides to turn it on at big moments. So I don't know if it's maybe he just has trouble getting up for a random Tuesday game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Maybe it's that. But he always seems to kind of find a way when things are big to have those good games. So it's a little frustrating, but I'm in the camp of maybe we're overpaying him, but his when he provides that spark, the Stars are a significantly better hockey team than if anybody else in that locker room were to try to provide a spark. I know I talked about that with Radulov earlier, and he's kind of the same way. He brings energy to the team, but Radulov's energy to the team doesn't elevate them the same way that if Jamie Benn's playing his top game. But I just don't know what the reasons are. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of hard with those guys to really gauge what the heck is happening there. Night to night inconsistencies are really difficult to determine what's causing the trends, uh, especially in this small of a sample size. And maybe who knows, Ben turns it on a little bit more as the season progresses. But he's starting to get a little bit up there in age. He's 31 years old. He plays a super physical style of game. So I don't expect him to be an offensive dynamo per se anymore. If I'm a stars fan or a predators fan watching, he's more of just kind of a really good tone setter for this team who provides lots of leadership. He's a great story, obviously Uh, picked late in the 2007 draft, uh, not really looked at as a top prospect for any part of his career, fifth round pick. um, And then ends up coming to the NHL and plays awesome hockey for years and years was a great scoring threat for especially a couple seasons in like the mid 2010s there where he was just dominating the league with him and Sagan. Oh yeah. I mean, that was, that was beautiful. to watch. I do too. I'm, I'm in the camp that, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's quite worth the 9.5 now, but when he signed that contract and still, I think all the intangibles that he brings to the team, he's, he's worth a lot of money. Um, I'm not, so I don't really I don't want to get into particulars because I don't really have a full opinion on whether we're overpaying him or not. But when it comes to production, it's a little questionable. Um, and I think this actually might go back to uh, your question about how the stars have, quote, turned it on in scoring this season. Um, I forgot to mention that the power play has been outstanding. Five on five has been horrible offensively. In that first game against Nashville. Seven goals, I think six of them were not five-on-five goals, which is not great. And the five-on-five time was terrible. The only thing we did well was get on the power play, and that seems to be a theme. Our our leading scorer is Joe Pavelski. I think he's got eight goals, and I think seven of them are power play goals. Or six of them. Six of his eight goals are power play goals. So the power play is working well. That's the guy who I wanted to talk about actually right now is Joe Pavelski Um, leads the team with 16 points in uh, his season so far in 11 games, eight goals, eight assists. But like you just said, he kind of seems like he's been really reliant on power play production as has the whole team. Um, 
So if you're a Predators fan, if they stay out of the box early in this game, they might actually have a shot of playing pretty competitively with the Stars. I think the Predators are plenty talented to compete with this team. The problem is just they can't stay out of the box. And when they are in the box, they have one of the worst penalty kills in the league. So uh, not exactly boating super well for these upcoming games, but who knows? Maybe something big happens. Um, let's just talk about Joe Pavelski for a second, because last year he got paid a whole lot of money to come to Dallas. And I felt like he didn't really produce exactly in line with what the expectations were. He was coming off of a 59 point, 25 goal season in San Jose and just 80 games played. He comes to Dallas. He puts up 19, 21 and 40 points in 82 games played, or sorry, I'm looking at the complete wrong stats right now. My bad. Uh, he put up 64 points that prior year in San Jose, 38 goals. And then he comes to Dallas and he only scores 14 goals, 17 assists and 31 points in 67 games, which like that's a pretty good season. But the goal production just dropped off a cliff comparatively. Um, And now this year, he seems to be kind of popping off a little bit again. He's always been a guy who's a really good net front presence on the power play and everything. But what kind of shift have you seen from him over this past year or so, especially in the postseason? Because I know that's kind of when he started to turn it on. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he was kind of a disappointment in the uh, regular season. And then we got to the postseason and he turned it on, kind of like Corey Perry. Um, I mean, both of them just decided to show up and start producing offense. Um, And I, I think the Joe Pavelski story with the Dallas Stars is a story in finding the right way to use somebody, which is crazy that it took so long, given that he's been in the league and done the same thing very well his entire time. Um. But I think what we've finally done is we've put him in front of the net. He and the defenders will practice deflections during practice where I, and I think that was a thing that they always did in San Jose. Somebody would stay out on the ice and let Joe Pavelski deflect goals in, learn kind of where the defender wants to put the puck for him, what his easiest angles are, whatever it is. And I think they're finally starting to do that. They're finally putting him in front of the net where he can get those deflection goals because he wasn't playing net front even on power plays for a while that first year. And then now he's either playing net front or he is wind up kind of in that, uh, the lower dot, the, um, the Ovechkin circle, just slightly closer to the line. And he's, he's got a great shot on that tight angle. So they just put it in his wheelhouse and he lets it happen. Um, so he's either there or he's net front and that's where he's best. And I don't know why it took so long for us to, put him there but finally did and it's working yeah it kind of seemed like there was a lot of tinkering going on with the power play last year for the stars and now they've gotten everything moving smoothly uh i know guryanov was put in a rover spot rather than the half wall for a while and everyone was like what's going on there that's not really suitable for him um and then you're looking at uh pavelski who has been maybe the best net front player in the nhl his entire career um getting used as a rover or a half wall specialist when it doesn't make any sense to do that with him. So uh, I'm, I'm glad for you, at least that you're not shaking your fists at Rick bonus and whoever the power play coach is and going, what are you doing? Uh, that, that saves you a little bit of anxiety now. I'm sure I, I want to talk about one more player um, before I, I let you talk about Jay Ottinger because I feel like you have some good stuff to say about him, <laughs> but uh Let's talk Miro Heiskanen for a second because oh, can we please? he's been bonkers this year. Um, here's, here's a quote from freaking Nicholas Lidstrom. Uh, as I'm sure Predators fans are familiar with him, 
maybe the greatest defenseman of all time. This is from an interview with Greg Wyshynski, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, asked about Miro Haskin, and he says, I've noticed him as well, especially the way he played in the playoffs. When I first saw him play, when he came into the league, he was very poised for his age. He's been getting better and better as well. He's a better skater than me. I was mobile, but I wasn't as fast as Miro is. Maybe that's one player that plays similar to my style, but probably a notch better skater or faster skater than I was. That blew my mind when I heard that because Nick Lidstrom might be the smoothest skating defenseman I've seen in my entire life. Uh, Haskinen obviously is a long way to go to match that kind of legacy, but good Lord, man, he's so young um, and so good for his age. I, I mean, he's just, he's an absurd defenseman looking at him right now. He's 21 years old. He's got eight points in 11 games this season, all assists, but still he contributes offensively with his shot too. And over the course of his career, he's been a 30 point guy every year, solid defensively. He had that great rookie season. I think last year he had some struggles at points, but just gush about Miro Haskinen for a second here because he's maybe the best player on the stars to watch besides maybe Denis Gurionov. Uh, I'd say Haskin is just maybe the perfect example of the modern NHL defenseman in terms of like puck moving, skating, defense, everything. Yeah, I, very bluntly, Miro Haskin is my favorite hockey player on this planet and very likely one of my favorite people. Obviously, I've never met him, but I just I love this guy. The way he plays hockey is a real treat to watch. Um, and like you said, he's got eight points, all of them assists, so zero goals. So, of course, you see that, and then some people start to panic. And I'll admit, I, I haven't been thrilled with maybe – I don't really know what it is, if it's his usage or whatever. He seems a little reserved, and I don't know if that's because – I don't know why you wouldn't give Miro Haskin in the green light. But if the coaches have kind of said, like, hey, we've, we're in these tight games all the time. Don't take too many risks offensively, whatever it is um, – He's, he seemed a little bit reserved because he has the potential to take over hockey games and we haven't seen it. And maybe it's just because we have such high expectations because he's been so fantastic since he put victory green on. Um, and I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm absolutely not worried about him, but some of the stars fan base seem to be, um, but he, his, he's so dynamic in things that are subtle, which is a misnomer, but it's true. If you just watch him, he's so smooth. He knows exactly where his shin pad needs to be in order to keep a pass from even being attempted. So it's not like everything he does is with the puck, whether it's blocking across offensive zone pass or if it's making stretch passes himself. Some of the things he does that are so brilliant are just in positioning to make often offensive players not even try. And it's, it's a, Real pleasure to watch. I I love this kid dearly. I think he's he's the bridge that takes the stars from their current potential cup window into the next one, and I think that extends it. We may have some down years, but he will be there hopefully um, on on the next time a window does arise as well. And he's going to be the reason. He is he is the center of the entire organization going into the future, and he is awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy that you build the team around in the future here. Um, it's him. You have Rupe Hintz, who's really good, as any Preds fan would know from that series against Dallas in the playoffs in 2019, um, when he just kind of spanked the whole team. Uh, and 
I mean, you have him, you have Guryanov, who's still quite young um, and scoring a lot of goals this year. He's quite the weapon. Uh, Ty Delandry has been really good. Um, still have some nice prospects coming up. You have Ottinger, who's coming up. And then I always forget this guy's name for some reason. I don't know why, but you have a really good defensive prospect who could also be a game changer, who's just kind of chilling in the AHL or on the taxi squad right now. Can you remind me? Yeah, Thomas Harley. That's and it. the reason... The reason you don't remember his name is because um, when the Stars drafted him, the owner announced the pick and called him Harley Thomas. So got his <laughs> got his name mixed up. Um, and I even even I who I I love this kid as well. Um, I get it mixed up too, and I always have to kind of take a pause before I say his name and make sure okay, it's Thomas Harley, and then go from there. He's following the uh, SEC quarterbacks rule where you're truly a legend if your first name and your last name are interchangeable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can't be a fourth, then you have to have interchangeable names. This is true. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to open it up here for you for a second because you you mentioned earlier in the show uh, you love Jake Ottinger. And this is a guy that Predators fans probably don't know a ton about. Um, and he's going to be a pretty big presence in the central division for years to come here. Cause I mean, right now, small sample size for his career, obviously incredibly small sample size, but he's looked good in the NHL. He's looked good in college. He's looked good in the AHL. Um, so you could probably expect him to lock down Dallas's net in the near future here. And seeing as Dallas is one of the teams that Predators fans tend to hate the most. Um, they're, they're going to be looking a lot at who's the guy who's starting a net for them. Talk to us about Jake Ottinger. What does he do so well that makes you like him so much? I I don't really know how to answer that in a quantitative way. So I don't have the ability to say, wow, his glove hand is just outstanding, his positioning or whatever. I'm not good enough at uh, looking at goalies and being able to tell that kind of stuff. What I really like about him is just his presence on the ice. And his ability to step into seemingly any situation so far in his life and make the crease his. And I want to draw the comparison, and correct me if I'm wrong, to UC Soros, in that he was the heir apparent for a couple years. And I was always worried about him as a Dallas Stars fan because I knew he would one day be the guy. And I didn't ever want him to become the guy because I knew he was going to be good. Um, but, I mean, you had Rene. That was the guy. And that wasn't changing until he hit an actual decline in his career or um, whatever it is. I think he's still on the team, right? Yeah, he is. Um, then, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's that kind of thing. And maybe one day when Bishop's term is almost over here, um, Ottinger will win the starting job. But I think it's, it's Bishop's net for a while. And they're going to let Jake Ottinger develop and learn these things and become a professional in all the ways off the ice for a while and kind of fill him in when he needs to, to keep him sharp. Um, but just do whatever they can to make sure it's a slow grooming process to where when he takes over, he is the guy for years to come. And I think he's just going to excel at it, especially with that extra runway to develop. Yeah. Uh, I can take a second here to just talk about why I like this guy um, as a prospect. I didn't watch a whole ton of him at BU um, when he was there, but I went back and watched some of his games retrospectively because during the summer I got quarantined. Um, 
And 14 days with nothing to do but twiddle your thumbs kind of leads you to do some stuff like watching a lot of German hockey um, and going back and watching college tape. And yeah, the the kind of hallmarks of his game that made me love him are he's a very calm goalie, um, which is something that you're looking for more and more because I know Kadobin makes all these show-stopping saves and you're like, holy crap, this dude is like, he's out of position, but he made the save. Or um, he's making these acrobatic saves and you're like, man, this guy's really entertaining to watch. As a coach that's giving you miniature heart attacks on the bench, because um, you're like, it's, it's a lot of no, 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 yes um, going on there. But with Ottinger... He seems like the kind of guy where he's going through um, reading the play pretty pretty rapidly. He's not uh, overextending himself. He's not trying to make a play so much as he's just letting the play to come to him. Uh, he's very good angularly. He's good technically. Um, he's not a show stopping athlete. Uh, he's not he's not a guy where you're like oh man like that's a crazy athletic goalie. Like you watch you say Soros and you're like all right that dude is like five ten and he's going cross crease to make a save and actually making it happen. That's bonkers. Um, same thing with Rene. He's six foot five and he can move like that. That's insane. Um, but with Ottinger, he's more of the typical goalie build. Um, and he's not, he's not going to flash like freak saves as often. He just kind of plays the game very calmly um, and just shuts players down. He's going to have the right angle on a shot. Um, I think the thing that he does need to work on a little bit is seeing shots through traffic. Uh, but the stars are really good at clearing the crease. So that should be not that big of an issue for him early on in his NHL career. And then also the thing that literally every goalie struggles with besides playing the puck um, is rebound control. I think he could get a little bit of work in on that. Um, it's not like a weakness of his game per se, but something he could clean up. Uh, but yeah, I think he'll end up taking over the net. Um, in the next two years here, probably I would even say because Bishop is just hurt all the time and he's getting older. Yeah. Um, and Kadobin is on an extension right now, but who knows if he can sustain this level of play for however long he's there for. Uh, maybe they end up trading him or something if Ottinger becomes a plus commodity and Bishop is healthy all of a sudden. Who knows what that situation looks like? But good introduction of a player. Yeah. Um, good introduction of a guy that predators fans are going to get very familiar with very intimate with in the next couple of years here uh yeah so <laughs> that's just kind of my thoughts yeah i mean that's that's gonna happen uh he's he's the guy he's the next guy and i don't really know what that looks like and what's interesting here is the expansion draft coming up um i think the two low-hanging fruit for the kraken to take off the dallas stars are either joe pavelski or Anton Hudobin, um, because neither of them will have no trade protection at that time. And I think both of them will be either one year left on their deal, maybe two. I know uh, Pavelski will have one at the time and probably won't protect either of those at that point. I mean, there's too many young prospects that are kind of more of the future to protect Pavelski, I think. And then um, for Hudobin, if you still have Bishop, who you're right, is always on IR. So we always have to have a solid backup. But if we have that in Ottinger, then maybe the the tandem goes to Bishop and Ottinger. Yeah, just something to keep an eye on, um, especially with Kadobin. Probably should have won the Conn Smythe despite the Stars not winning the Stanley Cup because, geez, man, he's the reason they got there. Yeah. Uh, but oh, yeah. 
it's it's interesting to keep an eye on that situation because Ottinger is a great prospect um, and he should be taking more and more of time in the net um, in these upcoming years here might become the de facto guy in a little bit. So if the Predators end up playing him, um, be sure to pay attention to the way that he's performing in that game. Uh, but that'll kind of do it for today's episode. Um, if you're listening in, you should go find Trent. Uh, Trent, where can they find you on Twitter? And then what should they be reading over at Defending Big D? Yeah, I mean, other than all of the content on Defending Big D, which is outstanding, even if you hate us, um, and that's okay. It's okay. I don't. I don't think we really like the Predators either. I personally don't. Um, but thanks for having me. You can find me on Twitter at dbd underscore Trent, and my yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go out. I'll, I'll be honest. It's a shtick. Um, I have invented a scoring metric that ranks goals on a zero or one scale um, for great goals getting a one and normal goals getting a zero because I'm trying to keep track of which Dallas star scores the best goals per goal this season. And that is called the Pollock score. And that is uh, my favorite article that I have written and published at Defending Big D. So you can find that. Um, on the website, I've also tweeted it a couple times, um, and that's the Pollock score at Defending Big D, Twitter handle, DBD underscore Trent. All right, everybody go check out his work over there. Um, I know that Trent has just kind of started out with Defending Big D, but he does great stuff. Um, and obviously, he's a really knowledgeable voice for the stars, so go check out what he's doing. Um, be sure to follow along with him, follow him on Twitter so that you don't miss out on whatever he's putting out. Um, so the next time the Predators play the Stars, you can just go and check what he's been writing and get a little additional information there. Uh, that'll do it for today's show. Um, I'm Eamon Smith. I'm a staff writer for On The Forecheck. You should go read all of our stuff at onthefourcheck.com if you're listening to this. Um, be sure to subscribe, leave a review uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast from. Have a great week, everybody. Go Preds.